Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Postgame Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald and Cole Carmody here in the Cats and Dogs studio following Kansas State's 41-0 victory. Nothing. Nada for the Houston Cougars. Zilch. Zilchola. That's a fancy word for zilch. Man, Cole Carmody, let's just get into it. That was a butt whooping. The kind of butt whooping you don't see in conference play uh, in the Big 12 that often. Now that Kansas is good, we'll we'll get to Kansas maybe a little bit later in this podcast after that win over Oklahoma. But this is about K State's complete domination from beginning to end over the Houston Cougars. I I've been trying to think about it. as I was driving over here. I was trying to think about how often we see blowouts like this happen in the Big 12, regardless of who blows who out. It just doesn't happen. Um, let, look at last week, for example. That was such a rare game. I mean, 41 to 3, and then you get 41 to nothing. That just doesn't happen in the Big right. 12, but it definitely doesn't happen in back-to-back weeks. I don't think fans really a lot of fans have truly understood so far like how impressive these last two weeks have been because regardless of the teams, these are power five teams that K-State is going against and teams that could still realistically make a bowl game. You look at Houston's schedule, it's pretty favorable down the stretch. They yep. can still make a bowl game and obviously TCU is the same way. So yeah, you just don't see blowouts like this happen. I think both coaches in post game just said it's time to move on. I mean, if you're K-State, you can't get wrapped up in this or last week or the fact that you've scored your opponents basically over the last five halves, uh, outscored them 103-3. to I mean, 
I can't remember when Houston scored last, or excuse me, Texas Tech scored last. But once it was 21-7 Red Raiders, Kansas State has outscored its opponents by 100 points in that short a period of time. And that is simply awesome football. It started with Avery Johnson playing well. Last week, they both played okay. This week, this was all Will Howard doing the damage in the main part of the game. You got to take your hat off to Iron Will Howard. He is taking control of this position again. He left no doubt who belongs on the field after this. As the Wildcats go into Texas, Will Howard is QB1, and it didn't look close in this game. It looked like the Will from last year. Right. I mean, he was in total command of the offense. I mean, even changing plays at the line fits that that's what i was impressed the most with like this is a guy who's obviously been in the system for a long time but he was playing with supreme confidence today and you know this houston defense had been shaky no doubt about it but they made that defense look like swiss cheese because there were holes all over the place and will howard was finding every single one and again we saw will howard take what was given to him he didn't try and force it down the field but on the flip side when a shot was available, when there was a one-on-one ball, he trusted his receiver to go up and make a play. He started the game 12 for 12. It was impressive to watch. And he didn't make a lot of big plays, but he made the plays that the team needed. And when you're running the ball as effectively as K-State did, they didn't have a lot of big runs. The running numbers probably aren't as good as you would have thought in a 41 to nothing game. But when you're able to just pound the rock away and force Houston to bring multiple guys in the box, it it lets your receivers win one-on-one. There were some amazing stats in this game uh, that outlined that domination. You know, total offensive plays was 70 to 59 in K-State's favor, but time of possession was 34 minutes and 34 seconds for the Cats, 25-26 for the Cougars. Uh, You just keep going down here, third down conversions, K-State was 10 of 14, Houston 3 of 14, and they were 0 and 4 on fourth downs also. Uh, this one, though, absolutely blows me away. This stat, uh, I K-State scored six touchdowns. They did miss an extra point late uh, when the backup kicker, I'm not going to call him out. It was his first time. He's kicking in bad weather. He missed the extra point on the last touchdown. So they had six touchdowns. Kansas State ran 70 plays, 51 of which were on touchdown drives. And, in fact, there was two really short drives at the end um, of five and two plays. So most of their plays led to touchdowns in this game, and none of Houston's plays led to anything. They didn't even get in the red zone. They were never threatening to score. Last week we saw TC threaten. They didn't get in the end zone because – or they didn't put more points up because they were trying to get into the end zone. And uh, Tech was tried one field goal, right? Missed it. Is that right? Or right? Or Houston? Houston. Yes. Yeah, yeah. One missed field goal, and that was after the Avery Johnson fumble, where K State gave them the ball around the thirty yard line. They went backwards a few yards. I think it was a, probably a third and eight, maybe, and they missed a forty five yard field goal. But they never really. They never even came close to getting in the red zone. I would be curious to go back and look at how many times they actually crossed the 50. I don't think it was as much as we recall because this K-State defense was impressive. And we talked about Donovan Smith 
you know, all the way in the lead up to this game. This is a quarterback who had been really good. 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. He had the numbers that Will Howard had in the second half of the season. Now, did he do a lot of it in garbage time? Sure he did. But he only turned the ball over four times. He had only thrown four interceptions. And he obviously threw an interception. Today, K-State had two turnovers. Um, He just, he he wasn't himself. But I think a lot of that had to do with what K-State was doing defensively. And the weather. I, yeah. I'm telling you, it is one of my ironclad beliefs in college football. When a warm weather team comes north into the cold, particularly for the first time of the season, they don't want to be there. And that's exactly what Houston looked like throughout this game. They just weren't inspired. That passing game for Houston that was so effective against Texas last week gave Texas so many issues. Yeah, 15-31 with one interception for 95 yards passing. Yeah, Donovan Smith was rattled out of out of whack all day. And um, the only uh, thing that went right for Houston is they got to go home. They were ready to go home. They were ready to go home by halftime when it was 28-0. Donovan Smith's QBR on the day was 11.3. Will Howard's was 94.7. There you go. That's the podcast. Talk to you later. (laughs) I don't, you know, honestly, we're going to struggle for much to talk about in this game. Yeah. There were some outstanding performances on defense. But I feel like right now, Cole, that it's not about individuals on defense. Will Lee had the pick. Will Lee forced the fumble. Will Lee was clearly really good. Nate Matlack was good in this game. I, I mean, Des Purnell continued to play well. Austin Romaine came back at middle linebacker and was really good. They tried to put him on an island, and, and Houston got him isolated on a receiver or someone. I don't. I can't remember if it was receiver or running back, and they tried to. Go you at running back, yeah. And Romaine ran with him. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I. You just go down the list. Jake Clifton was good again. Kobe Savage was good Marquis again. Marquis Siegel was a leading Marquis tackler. Marquis Siegel was good. But most of all, this is about a defense that has turned from. Um, having troubles with big plays, giving up those explosives to a, a defense that is giving up almost nothing. They have made it look like pure domination for the last two full games and a big chunk of the end of that Texas Tech game. It's been absolutely incredible to watch. This defense that seemed shaky now is one of the best defenses in the country, not just the Big 12, mm-hmm. over the last three, four weeks. It's it's, it's incredible. Even in loss against uh, Oklahoma State, when things didn't go well, the offense was dysfunctional, the defense still held up fairly well. They forced a lot of field goals. It's time to give Joe Klanerman his flowers. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's completely retooled that defense after he even Chris Kleiman said, hey, we lost Echo Boydo, Josh Hayes, Julius Prince. It's going to it took us some time to figure it out. But again, we talked about this in the, in the, the beginning part of the season, the middle part of the season as it went on. What were the two weaknesses with this K-State team? It was the offensive line and it was the secondary. Mm -hmm. And I can specifically remember saying if there are two position groups that I think can get it figured out because of the coaches that they have, it is those two position groups. And Fitz, right now, those two position groups are the strongest on the defense. I mean, the secondary has gone from being a major question mark to being the best part of that K-State defense. They are good because they are fast. And we saw that speed at times be a little bit 
maybe not always in the right spot, right? Think about the Missouri game. How many times did we see Jacob Parrish and Willie run with this, the Missouri receivers but just not turn their head around and not try and make a play? Well, this at the same time, Keenan Garber, a guy who might be the fastest cornerback in that room, wasn't even on the field. Now he's developed into a very trustworthy cornerback, and we're seeing the speed that K-State wanted to recruit. Jacob Parrish, again, 100-meter um, state champion in high school. Guy, fast players. That are on that defense, and again, the secondary has just turned into the best unit on the defense. It's impressive what what's happened, but nothing is more impressive than that offensive line and what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cooper Beebe, um, I, I don't mean to be I, – I really don't want to exaggerate what he did to a certain Houston player, but uh, it's a damn shame he'll, he'll probably uh, – Never have children. <laughs> it wasn't just a pancake block. It, it was a sterilizer. Mm-hmm. He knocked everything out of that guy. He, it was unbelievable. You could hear it on the broadcast. I went back and watched I, the clip, and you could hear the block on the field mic. I would love to know what he was thinking. I wish we could slow that down and understand what that player was thinking. Number 21 on defense, right? They had 21 was running back, 21 on defense. Anyhow, um, yeah, that was defensive back. Juwan Gaston, he went from suddenly realizing, oh, no, I'm getting squared up on to, oh, no, I'm having an out-of-body experience. (laughs) I'm currently floating. Oh, no, that's real. I am floating. I'm going backwards. My legs are now higher than my head. Uh, No, it was on. And. We all thought there was a holding on the play, and it turned out it was a hands to the face. So even Houston couldn't do penalties right in this game. Speaking of penalties, K-State had one for five yards. That's it. Impressive. Team's playing really well. Is that a – this is such a – sports writer things to say is that a good thing going into texas <laughs> i mean it, it it it's almost been too easy yeah i don't know i mean it, it i history tells me with this team and you know we're around them a lot more than you know national people and i just you know you look at the leadership on this team and people want to talk about culture and i and i understand that but so much goes into what this staff is building and i I think it really does start with the ground up. After the game, Nate Matlack talked about how Deuce Green is still very much a leader. He still talks in the in the you know, in the captain's meetings. But he said that Austin Moore and I this is quote for quote, came in with a pissed off focus on Wednesday. After the team had just won forty one to three, after everybody in that room knew they were going up against an inferior opponent, because they lost at practice, they were pissed. That is culture. And it could have been very easy for this team to say, it's an 11 o'clock game. You know, we're playing Houston. They're not very good. We're going to show up. We don't even have to play our best and we'll still win. And you know what, Fitz? They could have. They could have very easily won this game 24 to 13. And nobody would have been complaining because, you know what? They still would have won by double digits and been, you know, fine rolling down to Texas. But they really are starting to believe in each other. They're starting to believe into the coaching staff. And it is a different team than last year. This is a different kind of leadership. These guys know that they're good and they want to use that and they want to prove people to prove to people that they are good. Last year's group, they had a chip on their shoulder because they realized people didn't think they were very good. These guys know that they're good and they want to prove it to people. Yeah, it they're now on a mission. 
And that's what great coaches do. They take a performance like at Oklahoma State and find the good in it, which is maybe to find a message that resonates with your players about how they have to play, kind of shame them into better play. That worked. But also I know it wasn't the purpose of playing Avery Johnson. Avery played at Tech because he was fabulous. Mm -hmm. It appears to me that they have lit a fire under Will Howard. Will, you're talking about pissed off. You can talk about how cooperative those two have been in the quarterback room, how good they've been, how they've handled it. But it was clear to us on Tuesday when we spoke to Will Howard, he was pissed off. He was sharing time. Mm -hmm. He felt like uh, he had proven himself and he went out and proved himself once again that he's the starting quarterback. And I, I think for now they need to realize that Avery Johnson can help. They need to find ways he can help because he's too good of an athlete not to play. You've already gone past his redshirt thing with today's game. It was game number five. So he's not redshirting. Just find ways that he can get on the field and help this team. And I hope, and I don't think, I really seriously don't think you need trickery to beat Texas. Mm-hmm. You need to come out and be really sound and physical. You need to be prepared for the uh, shock value of the just the raw talent mm-hmm. and physicality across the ball from what you've seen. But I, I think there's some things there that they can exploit with Will and Avery that they need to exploit. They're special. I mean, they're both special in their own ways. And I think if you put them out there on the field sometimes, you can really mess with the defense, what, what they're doing. I mean, Avery can chuck the ball around the field now. Yeah. I mean, he's good. Yeah. So um, we'll see if they find a way to do that uh, and and get the most out of the talent that they have on this roster because they're doing it. Chris Kleiman talked after the game that amazingly they feel like they're fairly deep on defense because the injuries have helped them develop talent. Mm -hmm. Having Deuce Green out stings. It hurts. But Austin Romaine and – and Jake Clifton have just really taken control of that middle linebacker position. If you look at that defense, you know how many you got how many guys on that defense that are going to be coming back yep. next year. I mean, this could be a top ten defense in the country. And you know, for as much as everyone's focused on this year, and we know those guys are focused on this year, this this team that Chris Kleiman is building is not going anywhere. So for people that you know want to sit here and and getting mad about K-State not beating anybody and, oh, they lost two games, they should have won. You know what? I- I'm I'm here to tell you that if you are tired of K-State winning games, you're going ex- to be exhausted by the end of it because when this new Big 12 comes rolling around, K-State is going to be positioned to be a top three team every single year because of the way that, A, they play their young players, and B, the way that they get buy-in and they're able to develop talent. It's impressive. And is there holes on this team? For sure there is. But I look at some of those young guys. You talked about the linebackers, Fitz. Look at Garrett Oakley. I mean, this is a guy who took advantage because Ben Sinek got hurt last week. And now all of a sudden he gets three catches. He catches a touchdown. He's going to be a guy that they're going to try and get the ball to. And if you can have two tight ends that are mismatches, because Garrett Oakley is a mismatch, he is baby Ben Sennett. He is going to be just as good of a player as Ben Sennett is. I firmly believe that. I mean, that is a de- that's deadly. I mean, if you have two legitimate tight ends, that is deadly. Well, they throw an interesting pattern today where they split both tight ends out. Sennett wasn't on the field. Maybe he was, but they had two tight ends mm-hmm. on the left side of the formation, and they ran one off, and Oakley and Swanson, and the other one came underneath for a first down. 
really well-designed play. I think Collins in the zone as offensive coordinator. Joe Klanderman is in the zone as defensive coordinator. Uh, they, they've got players just playing with purpose right now, purpose and focus. And as they always consistently say, it's not because they're playing well on Saturdays. It's because they're getting it done in practice all the days leading up to Saturday. They're going to have a good week of practice, I bet, with Texas. They're going to be loaded for bear. They know this is it. This is their only opportunity to make it to the Big 12 championship now for the most part. Mm -hmm. Because of that loss at Oklahoma State, they can't afford a second loss in this conference. They can put themselves in the driver's seat to get to Arlington with a win over Texas. Huge challenge next weekend. We'll get into that after this break on the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Kansas State wins 41 to nothing. It wasn't in overtime. That was in regulation uh, against Houston as an absolute blowout. It was just a domination from beginning to end. And what's been a very interesting day around the Big 12, a lot of blowouts and one really close, fun game in Lawrence with the Sooners and the Jayhawks. We'll get to that in a second. But Kansas State's opponent next week is Texas beating BYU 35-6 to in Austin with the backup quarterback. Um, you watched some of this game, right? Mm-hmm. What, what were your thoughts on the Longhorns? I just think Texas looks beatable. Like that was my first thought, and it, it's no, there's no doubt that Texas wants to run the ball, right? With Malik Murphy in at quarterback, they talked on the broadcast about maybe getting Quinn Ewers back, but with the injury he has, unless he um, turns into Superman, he's not going to play. The odds of him playing against K State are very low, and Texas has full confidence in Murphy, but. He threw an interception in the first half. He threw a lot of balls in harm's way. And I'll be the first to say it. You know, I don't think BYU is very good. BYU is not very good. That is a team who has gotten by. They've gotten lucky a lot this year when they have won. Um, but they they just didn't look very good against Texas. It's obvious they didn't have the athletes. Um, but all Texas did really to win that game was run the ball. It was 21 to six in the fourth quarter. Texas got stuffed on the goal line multiple times. But again, this is the attitude that I think Sark has of, Hey, we're there. We're up by 15. Let's kick the field goal and go up three scores, right? That's what a normal person Mm -hmm. would do. But Sark's like, no, we're going to score a touchdown. And he got stuffed twice. So, you know, at what point do you learn your mistake? And if he if he coaches like that against K-State, that's going to come back to bite. Let that be known. But I mean, the quarterback is a big thing, and I think Quinn Ewers is a good quarterback. I don't think he's an amazing quarterback, but there is an obvious drop-off between Malik Murphy and Quinn Ewers. And so I'll be very curious to see how the game plan changes against K-State. They didn't really need to score that many points against BYU because their offense was very stagnant. But 
they're going to have to score points against K-State because K-State's going to be able to score. They were able to score last year. They're going to be able to score against Texas. I think the biggest thing that's changed in the series between these two teams is for a long time, Texas did not respect Kansas State, and they paid the price. They got beat a number of times. And as of late, Tom Herman started this, and now Sark has continued it. This game circled. Mm -hmm. This game, I don't know where it sits on their pecking order, but it might be the second most focused upon game outside of Oklahoma on the schedule on an annual basis for Texas, just because they know the importance of it. Mm -hmm. And they came into Manhattan and dominated last year, but it was their run game. They don't have the same run game they did last year. They have the same offensive line, but it hasn't been as an effective run game where they ran for, what, 184 today? Mm -hmm. I don't have my glasses on. I'm blind. Um, it uh, It's a good running game, but not great. I'm not a big Quinn Ewers fan, but he's clearly the best they have. And uh, Malik Murphy, what, 16 of 25 for 170? Mm -hmm. Two touchdowns, one interception. Those are okay numbers. Mm -hmm. Against ah. a BYU team that gave up 44 points and 400-something passing yards to Hoover you know, last week. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth, too. Yep. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a big week at Go Pyrocat as we continue to cover all of these things and dig really deep into what K-State and Texas means. And we're also going to have a lot of basketball coverage throughout the week as K-State – uh, has their exhibition game on Wednesday night? Is that yeah, correct? I didn't even know that. And then they tip off Monday, crazy a week for Monday in in Las Vegas, and um, we'll be staffing both football and basketball. Uh, but uh, I, I I have to talk about KU beating Oklahoma for one selfish reason. We all know I suck at betting. <laughs> I bet a parlay today, and I picked Kansas to win. Wow! Upright. Outright. And then I changed it to Oklahoma. <laughs> I got every other leg right. Actually, you know what's funny? The exact same thing happened to me. I couldn't get myself. I knew this would be a competitive game. One, because Lance Leipold is an incredible coach. Two, Oklahoma isn't all that people want to think they are. No. They have played no one. That win over Texas was notable. But now the... The kind of framework of that win now comes into question because I'm not sure about Texas. Mm -hmm. I knew this game would be competitive. I thought they'd win if Jalen Daniels, uh, you know, uh, his mysterious injured back that he walks around just fine with. Let me tell you, when my back's injured, uh, you can tell. You can tell. But I'm not trying to play football either. I don't know. I'm just saying back injuries are what people get who want to. You can't even say when Jalen Daniels plays. At this point, you just can't he's assume done. that he's even on the team. Um, so I thought if he played, they, I was convinced they'd win. And, but Bean, I, I can't. He's a solid backup. I was texting with someone or conversing with someone. I said, you know, they described him as chaotic. And I said, that's why he's a good backup yeah. quarterback, because the chaos might work in your favor if he comes in mid-game. But the chaos over the course of a game ends up being too much, and he threw a key interception. And then there should have been a second interception in the fourth quarter that the guy dropped, and then they found a way to win. I'm impressed. I think I've been saying Kansas is good. I've been saying Oklahoma is, isn't everything. They still haven't proven to me anything because they hadn't beat anyone outside of Texas. They've had the weakest schedule you could imagine. And now Kansas got them. Um, and 
next week gets really interesting. I mean, next week gets to be fascinating about what could take place around the Big 12 because some of these matchups, uh, <laughs> you got TCU and Tech on a Thursday night. You got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You got K-State and Texas. Houston and Baylor, two teams that are really struggling. Kansas goes to Iowa State. Iowa State, one on the road at Baylor. BYU, West Virginia. Well, West Virginia is going to win that. UCF and Cincinnati, someone will probably win that game. Yeah, oof. They're both over in the conference. How was that on FS1? That should be on ESPN+. Plus. Well, I'm really fascinated by next week's schedule because it is a full seven-game schedule, which we haven't had many of. Yeah. One is on Thursday. Only six of them are on the weekend as we're apparently out of bye weeks now. What are they going to do with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, Texas? Those are both really good games. There's other games, but they they will be using – the networks will be using their six-day windows – for the rest of the season. They they have four a year. They had used none. Mm-hmm. They're going to use them the rest of the year. So we should find out tonight or tomorrow, certainly tomorrow, uh, what the schedule is uh, in terms of TV. We don't have a kickoff for Texas K-State or two of the games were put on FS1 slash the Big 12 Network, um, which is what basically what it's functioned as. Right. And um, then we'll find out the rest. Is it possible that Big Noon and also Game Day are at two Big 12 games next week? I thought Big Noon came out and announced where they were going. I don't know. Or it was Game Day that came out and announced where they were going, and it wasn't. Was it? It wasn't Bedlam, which I think is kind of ridiculous. I get it. Oh, you lost, but you know that's the last time that game's going to be played. And how long? I, if I were to guess, Big Noon kickoff goes to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Because if Game Day's not going to take that, that seems like something you have to take. I mean, if you're a college football fan, that seems like a game that you're going to want to watch, regardless of what the team's records are, mm-hmm. because of the rivalry. So, I, if I were to bet, I would imagine Oklahoma, Oklahoma State gets a 11 a.m. kickoff on Fox, and K State, Texas either gets a night kickoff on Fox or a night kickoff on ESPN. I don't think that these games would be stacked. These are obviously the two best games in the conference. I could see K-State being a night game, KU-Iowa State being the 2.30, and Oklahoma-Oklahoma State being big noon kick, big noon at 11. If I'm going to go on the record and guess, that's going to be my guess. I like your guessing. It will be interesting to see when K-State and Texas goes and if you know what kind of notoriety the game gets. It, it clearly is. Could decide one of the teams in the Big 12 championship. It, uh, you know, cultural playoff rankings come out on Tuesday, and notoriously – Notoriously, K-State is always higher in the college football playoff rankings than they are in the AP poll. I don't think it's a wild to think K-State could be top 15 in the college football playoff rankings. Not with the way they're playing right now. Because the, I think the those people have a lot of respect for what K-State's able to do. Um, and I know each year is self-contained, but you're looking at potentially a top 15 matchup, for sure a top 25 matchup. If K-State's not ranked on Tuesday night, then... To hell with the rankings. Right. Right. Like, this is a top 25 team. I think they're a top 15 oh, in the country. Absolutely. And you can make an argument they could play with anybody in the top 10 right now. So, um, I, yeah. I'm uh, also noting that the context of the two losses has changed dramatically. Oklahoma State came to life, and they've been playing really good football. Missouri has turned out to be a legitimate team. Mm-hmm. Um they were off this week, I believe, and they got Georgia next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to get their feelings hurt. <laughs> yeah. But um, Missouri's a good team, and we knew that. Um, 
we question their coaching, but Eli Drinkwitz has done a good job with mm-hmm. them this season. So I think the negativity surrounding those two losses has lightened up. And now what they're doing, they're just stomping opponents. They're beating the daylights out of teams. Remaining schedule at Texas, come home, play Baylor, go to Kansas, which is going to be interesting, then come home and play an Iowa State team that is playing very good football. As of right now, but regarding Iowa State, let's not ignore the fact that they have to play Kansas. They go to BYU, which won't be easy. They play Texas at home, and then they have to play K-State. Not saying that they're going to lose the next four games. They could lose the next But they could lose the next four games. They certainly could lose three of those. Yeah. That's a big game for Kansas. Kansas is still in the discussion for the Big 12 title game. This win changed everything for them. Uh, Now they're a two-loss team instead of a three-loss team. And um, let's say Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma um, next week. But I don't know. uh, Cincinnati upsets them tonight. You know, I mean, you could find a way in as a two-win team uh, if you've got the right wins or Mm -hmm. or two-loss team. As long as you've got the right wins and losses. It's it's challenge because they now only have a tiebreaker against Oklahoma, but if even K State beats Texas next week, they don't have the tiebreaker with Texas, and so they'd be out. They pretty much have to beat K State. Mm-hmm. Went out and beat K State mm-hmm. uh, to be in the conversation. We'll see. Uh, Cole, I'm I'm uh, going to say something. I think these last two games back to back have been the best K State football I've seen in a very long time. And remember last year. They absolutely killed Colorado. Where did Colorado come from in my brain? Hmm. How did Colorado seep in there? They killed Oklahoma State and then went on the road and dominated Baylor. These two games were just – we saw teams just shut down. Mm -hmm. I mean, TCU was in a – you know, just out of their minds trying to score a touchdown at the end of the game. And Houston said, hey – Let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's go home to Houston. Let's go back to Texas. This is their first game of the season outside of Texas. I loved their schedule. If you're in Texas and your non-conference is Rice, yeah. which they lost, yeah. Sam Houston and UTSA, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's hardly any travel involved in any of those games for anyone. And and then your only road game that point in Big 12 play had been at Texas Tech. I mean, you had not left the state of Texas, and as you're arriving home probably about um, about an hour before we started recording this, they never want to leave Texas never again. again. Never again. Too bad they have to go to Florida in the season with probably one of the worst. That's like in 3A, in 3A football in Kansas, Fitz, they still do districts. So there's two teams that won't make a district that could play each other. Like that's like that. What that's what's gonna be. Yeah. It's like nobody cares about that game. Neither team's gonna be going to a bowl game, and so they're just gonna be playing. You know, somebody is gonna be a winner, and somebody's gonna be a loser. Man, it's the newcomers are struggling. I think next year we'll see Utah be competitive. You know, maybe good. Um, look, they they're gonna be shocked at how physical it is week in and week out in this mm-hmm. conference. And uh, they struggled with Oregon today, but I think Oregon and Washington both belong in the conversation for the playoff. Mm-hmm. If one, there's one conference right now that should be talking about two teams in a, in the playoff, it's the Pack. It's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive. Any final thoughts on K State's forty-one to nothing victory? Um, I will say that I thought the crowd for being 
a 30-degree weather, rainy, 11 a.m. kickoff. It wasn't rainy. It was windy. I thought it was really good in the beginning part of the game. Then when it became obvious that, you know what, let's uh, let's maybe go back to the car, get some uh, maybe some products from a liquor store that doesn't sponsor this podcast. Hey, but nobody sponsors it, so I can say it. The fridge. Right. right. Um, you know, why not? And so I thought people did that. But overall, I mean, I thought the atmosphere, again, was tremendous today. And I don't you could blame tell, anyone for leaving. No, I don't either. It was cold. It was damp. It was a blowout. It wasn't an entertaining game uh, unless you love to watch someone beat the snot out of a smaller person because that's what it was. It was like a bully just yeah. going at it. It was stop. He's dead already. I mean, poor Houston. Uh, wow. And what's amazing, if you watch the pregame, the uh, pregame press conference with Dana Holgerson, he knew this was coming. Yeah. If you go back and watch the the what he said, in fact, I think I'll find it and end up closing this podcast <laughs> with what he said. And tell me, tell me the honest answer, folks, as we wrap it up, is Dana Holgerson a prophet? They're playing as good as anybody in the country, and they're the defending Big 12 champs. It's a hard place to go play. I've been there multiple times. You think Texas was a challenge because of how talented they are and well coached. This this team is is extremely, extremely, extremely good. Extremely sound, well coached, best coached team in the country. Their players don't mess up, and they score. So welcome to the Big 12. This is what we signed up for, so let's go. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.